Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys! Well, we are back. <laughs> we um, we took a little break for the holidays, and then January sixth, um, we were going to record an episode, but instead the um, the world kind of fell down around us. Yeah. Um. So January sixth, as everyone knows, um, was the day that a group of people stormed the Capitol. 
I was actually in the midst of recording um, as a guest on another podcast, um, on the Relevant podcast. And it was interesting because, you know, we recorded two episodes back to back. And um, so I was just completely offline, off the news for about two hours. And at the very end of the episode, Cameron, the host, said, you guys, I just turned on my computer and protesters have breached the Capitol. Oh, my gosh. Which was like, wow. Right. So we decided not to record. We did. <laughs> we did because, you know, everyone was glued to the news, um, right. as was I. And then the following week, January 13th, everyone was glued to the news as the president was impeached for a second time. Yeah, It's been a really eventful month. And then on top of that, you know, this episode is coming out the day that Biden, um, it's inauguration day. So we're yes. actually recording the night before. And mm-hmm. we're hoping that this uh, comes out, you know, right on time with the inauguration and that all of us are drinking mimosas. <laughs> and that we're all happy and that nothing catastrophic happens. Although recognizing we do have some listeners for whom Biden's inauguration is not happy news. Um Yes, that's fair. But at the same time, we're all hoping for nothing catastrophic. We are. We are hoping for nothing catastrophic. Um, Because if anything, I think, you know, it was interesting to watch that level of a breach of our capital. Um, It was, I felt a little alarming to watch, you know, just to see that they were able to get inside and to see people standing at the podium and walking around the halls. Um, It was... It was a little mind boggling, you know, it was horrifying. And then you hear the stories after about how, you know, intercoms had been removed, Mm -hmm. knowing Mm -hmm. that this was premeditated. And I couldn't even I think I would have I think I would have gone down a very long, deep and dark rabbit hole if I let myself. So I I kind of removed myself from it. And I've Mm -hmm. been honestly just stealing myself waiting for the 20th to come. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us have. And, you know, I I hope that tomorrow goes off without incident. Um, But I, you know, I'm concerned and I'm I'm as concerned for state capitals as I am for the national capital, you know. Right. Um, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, there have been protests for nearly every president. You know, there was a protest when when Trump was elective. You know, there was a, a protest um, during his inauguration in 2017. 200 people were arrested. I think what is more alarming about this one is that it did seem somewhat sanctioned or encouraged by the people in charge, whereas I don't think that Hillary was inciting, you know, <laughs> the, the um, protests that happened in 2017. They seemed a little more off and fringe, whereas you know, the group that stormed the Capitol had listened to the president speak in person 30 minutes prior. Kristen, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that I discovered that, you know, those pictures of people climbing the wall to get into the Capitol? Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered that one of those people is someone that I used to go to church with. Whoa. And so there was that whole, uh, honestly, so I mean, without getting too deep into the, you know, uh, Christian slash Republican dynamic and how things have really changed over the past four years. um, I also think that that week felt a little bit like betrayal. 
Yeah. Because, you know, here I am, a person who had been a part of a church for so long and really admired the leadership and kind of hung on to every word they said, and to see them become so swayed by this administration, and then to the point where... You know, they're going down to D.C. to protest. And then some of them joined the, you know, the chaos that happened. Um, Not to necessarily, you know, torch Pelosi's office, but because they wanted to be a part of the action, right? That mob mentality. And so seeing people sort of, seeing people especially that I really admired, and I've, I've really admired over the years, kind of, you know, accept it or say, you know, wow, the left really has selective rage. How come you're not angry over XYZ? Um, became really, I ended up, you know, for my own peace of mind, unfriending people that I have cared for for a long time because they're just so deep in the QAnon conspiracy you know, JFK Jr. is alive and is going to be president, like that whole thing that I can't, I think when someone's that far deep, there's no, there's no coming back from that. And there's no reasoning with that person. Um, And so yesterday, you know, a former pastor of mine, uh, pardon the clicking noise, I just want to make sure I'm getting it word for word. And it sucks, because these are people that you thought you'd, you know, look up to your whole lives, right? Like, and, um, and I couldn't help myself because this, I found this so, so loathsome. Um, but he wrote, because, you know, uh, people have been kicked off different platforms and now there's talk about, I mean, I don't know, whatever, demonizing Trump supporters. Deplat- this is, and I quote, deplatforming Trump Americans mimics Jim Crow laws against black Americans. Hmm. And so I I lost my mind. I, I lost my mind. Being ousted off Twitter is not the same as segregation and racism. You are not being oppressed because you can no longer tweet. No, you're not. And, you know, I, I think what's interesting about this whole thing, and I'm going to have a conversation with BJ at the end of this episode just on how we kind of process all of this psychologically as a nation. Mm. What's interesting about this whole thing is this could be an opportunity where right and left could have some empathy for one another. Because I will say, as I watch this going down, I did feel like, you know what? I know what it feels like when a movement and a cause that you care about gets hijacked by violence. I understand that, you know, like I watched that happen all summer with the Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter movement, which is a movement I've been a part of for over a decade. I've never seen it be violent. I've been to many protests, including some in D.C. Um, And I watched that movement get, you know, be spoken for by bad actors, by people who were looting and rioting. And so I can sympathize with a lot of Republicans right now who I don't believe support what happened. But what's frustrating is, and I and I did denounce the bad actors, and Biden did denounce the bad actors. But what I'm seeing, instead of us kind of understanding each other, is then Republicans, rather than denouncing what happened, doing what you're saying, which is this whataboutism. Well, 
Yes. What about what about all the rioting and looting? Where was the outrage there? What about, you know, and I just think we all get in trouble when we get into this whataboutism instead of being able to own when something has gone amiss, even in the causes that we support. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And it's kind of, you know, I had a friend tell me that he does not identify, he doesn't call himself a feminist. Um because he believes that lots of feminine, a lot of feminism has turned into, um, you know, misandry, you know, just like hating men. Did I pronounce that right? Misandry? I think so. Misandry. Um, I feel like that's a word that you only ever see written. That's right. <laughs> no that's one right. actually knows how to say it, but we know what that's it right. means. Um, that word. And uh, he's like, you know, it's not about. Uh, and I said, look. You believe in feminism if you believe that, you know, women should be afforded the same rights and privileges as men. That's that's kind of it. And then there's, you know, we talk about intersectional feminism um, and how it relates to people on the LGBTQ uh, community and, um, you know, uh, women of color as well. So anyway, he's like, but no, I can't I can't call myself a feminism because a feminist because there are so many terrible feminists. I'm like, well, I OK, I. I get what you're saying. However, you know, and, and that's why some people don't want to identify as a Christian because there mm-hmm. are so many Christians that kind of kill that term. So I get not wanting to put a label and and at the same time, there's always going to be some outlier of of weirdness yeah. in anything that you do, right? In anything that we the, we like or do. Like you and I both enjoy Twitter. Well, mm-hmm. there are some really terrible things that happen on Twitter, too. Yeah. Um, and there are people who exploit people on Twitter and people who, you know, threaten other people on Twitter. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we have to uh, identify with them nor throw the baby out with the bathwater. I agree. But I do think, you know, where the Republican Party has their work cut out for them is I do think that the people that stormed into the Capitol were a minority. I don't think most people wanted that to happen. But I do mm-hmm. think that we did see a large majority of Republicans believing that it was okay to overturn a free and fair election and believing that there was fraud when it wasn't proved in courts and believing a very funky version of the Constitution. Um, that's a real problem. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I agree with and that. And that became um, mainstream. And, and the, that's alarming to me. The people that I speak with genuinely believe, yeah. genuinely believe with all of their hearts that the, the election was rigged because some guy on Twitter said he personally threw out 20,000 ballots. So, of course, we're going to believe this, this person and not like the active investigations in courts, you know, but yeah. You know, it's hard. And I think I think I've come to an understanding that when you find someone that that's that is that fringe, there is no point in reasoning with them. Like I can have good conversations with my mother who is darling and a minority and an immigrant and a woman and she's brown um and still you know is a republican because that's what you do when you are, you know, a conservative Filipino, you vote red no matter what. I can have wonderful conversations with her because she's at least reasonable. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that could be the same. I think, in fact, I would say that the majority of people aren't super left wing or super right wing. I think there's a lot of a lot of people yeah. that are just moderate. Like it's 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 like a Kinsey scale, but for uh, <laughs> political identification. Totally. So so you know, but but for my own sanity, I think I need to stop trying to reason with those that are super fringe, those that are like, well, this is the work of Antifa and JFK Jr. is coming to save us and Q sent me like that. Yeah, I think I need to just stop. I need to pause the yeah. brakes because hit the brakes because I'm not going to. That's no longer a me problem, I guess. I don't know. I know. It's really hard. Well, let me ask you this, because this is what I wanted us to touch on. And I will get to our I mean, we have so much to catch up on because we I haven't know. recorded since prior to the holidays. But I want to talk about resolutions, too. I do, too. I do, too. OK. OK. So good. B- before we get there. And you met, you kind of touched on this, but like, how are you finding that balance between staying informed, which I know, you know, both you and I are, you know, we are interested in the news. We want to be informed. How are you finding that balance between staying informed and not going down a hole of doom scrolling? Yeah, that's a good question. Also, you and I are very much online. Yes. Um, so what I've decided is that when I read a story or I read a headline or I read an article, that may be enough. Like, there, my question has been, is this going to be resolved by having a new president in office? Mm. And if it is, I, do, I just don't, I don't pay attention to it. I muted oh, Trump. That's interesting. That's I muted interesting Trump guy. in my Twitter feed, mm-hmm. just completely muted it. So I, I could just, you know, just remove myself from that for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I actually won't engage with most things. Like, I want to wait until I want to see what Biden does in his first 10 days. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll start engaging again. Because I think that we're in this really crazy shift. And once once Trump supporters realize that Trump is no longer president, do you know what I mean? Like, I just – he just needs to kind of dissolve into anonymity. Yeah. And then – and I, I think that a lot of these issues that we're seeing are because mm-hmm. he's so front and center. Yes. And I just assume he's going to go to Mar-a-Lago and hide out there for the long term. Yeah. Um. So that's – so I'm just going to – I'm just pumping the brakes on really doing any deep – catastrophic, you know, head in my hands reading. I just don't I'm I'm freeing myself from that right now. That's smart. That's really smart. We have um I you know, it's tough because I was glued to the news. I was actually glued to the news starting January 5th because I was very invested in the Georgia runoff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, how funny is it the Georgia runoff happened and there was there was no time to celebrate. No. Like none. there was no because it was just we're like, wait, the Georgia runoff was this morning, you I know, know or, or whatever. Know. But so I was, you know, and I told myself that I wasn't going to do that. I told myself, you know, you're not going to do what you did during the election. Like, you're just going to, like, check the news every once in a while. And then I didn't. I just, you know, fully like drinking from a fire hose online, taking in any, every piece of news, every projection until it was announced the next morning. And then the insurrection happened. And I really, you know... That became three days of me sitting online watching the news. And, you know, it takes three days to build a habit. <laughs> and I feel like I'm still trying to extricate myself from, you know, just every day, like, what's going on? What's going on with the news? Because it's a lot. It, it, it is a lot. Um, and, you know, in the days after the insurrection, I feel like we were learning all of this information. We were finding out, like, 
that, you know, a police officer was killed and another police officer, a Capitol police officer took his own life and there were other deaths, you know, and I was just kind of digging, like, what happened? How did this happen? I think when things happen out of our control, one of the ways I try to maintain some control is by getting information. Like, that's definitely Mm -hmm. in my personality. And so I feel like I was just kind of digging, like, as a coping skill. But it's not a very good coping skill. Right. No, and I I think that I have been better about removing myself from that as of late. Yeah. And I think, you know, last year I was so I was all in like, like last fall, I was phone banking and texting Uh and sending messages and, you know, talking to people and making Instagram stories and reasoning with um, why Christians can support someone who's, you know, just all of it. Like it was just constant conversations. And right now, I'm like, this is... This is not my circus right now. Mm-hmm. I'll let it. I'll let it be my circus in about a month. But right now, like we need, like let's let's let them pack things up, shove their stuff in a U-Haul, get out of here, let the dust settle, and then I think things. Once the dust settles, then I think the stuff that's important is going to rise to the top. That's really not, smart. Yeah. Not that. Listen. Not that. Of course. Like what happened was important and upsetting. But something that I can do about it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Something I that agree. I can I can throw my support behind. So, so yes, I, I've tried to keep a Zen approach. Yeah, that's wise. That is smart and wise. Um, we have been attempting to just turn the internet off at night, um, because I think late at night is when I tend to you know try to look for answers, um, and then I have been trying really hard, I mean, to talk about resolutions, just to transition into that conversation. One of my big resolutions has really been to get outside more. Um, And so I have been trying to take walks on the beach, you know, force myself. I mean, I pay like an absurd amount of money to live where I live. Right. (laughs) And it's like, why would I pay this money and then not go to the beach every day? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Why am I paying for beach clothes? you know, property and not going to the beach. So I have been doing pretty well on that, on getting out and um, walking on the beach at sunset. Um, We also just, as a family, we joined um, an aquatic center where we can do stand-up paddling and kayaking and things like that. So just trying to get out and be in nature more. And it's helping a lot, a lot, a lot. I chose, I have 21 things for 2021, which sounds like resolutions, but they're not all resolutions. Some are just things that have been hanging over my head that I need to cross off. Mm -hmm. And then I decided for the first time ever, I'm going to have a word of the year. So I have 21 things for 21, and I also have a word, a word of the year. What's your word? Uh, Oh, okay. So my word is grounded. Mm, That's a good one. So this is going to be a really, um, I, I can't say too much at the moment, but this, but this is going to be, as you know, Kristen, like kind of a crazy year for me um, in this, a, a couple of projects that I'm taking on that are important to me, that are important to my heart. They're, um, you know, I, I, they're important to me, but they're tough. And, um, and, and I went through some stuff last year also, as you know, and I think that reminding myself I think the worst part when you're going through stuff is feeling untethered. So just reminding myself exactly who I am, exactly what I'm capable of, uh, finding a way to feel grounded every day so I'm not just floating, whether that's 
listening to a meditation or just like lying on the floor and having deep breaths or, you know, right now I'm in an office and I have a little cubby and we're, you know, there's where we adhere to COVID protocols. And sometimes I just lie down on my, on my little cubby office floor and just take a few breaths. And um, so, so a lot of reminders there, but yeah, I've been reminding myself, I wrote it down on my wall. It says grounded, which it's not the prettiest word to choose because it just sounds like you're being punished. But I, I maybe I need to have like something very yoga-esque next to it. So, you know, it means like, you know, <laughs> planted planted firmly on the earth. And then my 21 things for 21, some of it is abstract and some of it is really straightforward. So really straightforward, write a will. Oh, like, that's a good one. I mean, there's no reason for me to be the age that I am with the amount of children that I have yep. and not have a will. Like, totally. I just I just need to call an attorney and pay the whatever and, yep. and do the thing. Yep. Uh, also with that is this year I need to get a pelvic exam. Like, I didn't do a lot of things last year because of COVID, and I totally. kind of used it as an excuse. Oh, same. But, but I need to get a pelvic exam. Yeah. I need to get a I need to get a mammogram. Yeah. Um, so those are things that are just like one off things that I'm uh, putting on my list. But it'll it'll be good. I'll be glad when it's done. Um, but then the more abstract, I have um, explore literature and theology about God as a woman, mm. which I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this. Um, I want to hear oh, more about that. Oh yeah, as so you I, go I, along, you know, like oh, I want to hear yes. like what books and. Well, I was talking to a friend who had dealt with a lot of, um, you know, sexual trauma in her life. And for her, imagining God as a woman was very healing for her. Mm-hmm. You know, but then there is also just 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 the theology around it, I think, is really interesting. And um, so I have, you know, a cork board that's my vision board for the year. And I have this um, little piece of art that says God, our mother on it. So I thought, you know. It'd be nice to just explore regardless of what I find. So I'm doing that. Um, I am also, oh, this is my, I, Kristen, I'm so proud of myself. This is such a good resolution that I've adopted, adapted, adopted. So I have a standing weekly chat with a friend, which is really nice. Yes. Um, I actually put it on the calendar. Like it's for the entire year, every whatever night from 8 to 8.30. And that's, we time box it. We are going to talk from 8 to 8.30 and we're just going on Slack typing live. So there's no pressure to do a Zoom, no pressure to do a phone call. We're just typing to each other. And then at at 8.30, we have a hard stop, even if we could talk more, because we don't want to ever go, oh, we can't, you know, tonight. So we stop at 8.30 and it requires us to do something else. Like she'll usually read a book or I'll go take a bath or whatever. And it's a great way. It's a great way to keep in touch with a friend. And she's long distance. Like, I haven't seen her in so long. Keep in touch with a friend weekly. And, it's, like, it's it's been probably one of the best things I've done so far this year. I love that. That's such a great idea. I love that you have an end time um, because that feels like it's safer to do once a week when you know it's not going to run for three hours, you know. Um, and I think it's cool that it's on Slack so you're not – having to like get ready for a video right or get on a phone a phone call or if like you know she's got smaller kids and a kid interrupts her it's not a big deal because i'm just you know we're just typing to each other so it so it is nice and the nice thing too about being time box is that we don't feel like we have to update each other on everything 
on yeah. all the things all at once. So yeah. anyway, that's one of my favorite uh, resolutions so far. So how about you? Um, I mean, like I said, getting outdoor more, outdoors more is a big one. And then my other big one is to get back to reading. Like I, and I, it's interesting because I have heard this true for other people. I really didn't read much in 2020, which you would think I would because I had, well, I didn't have we, more free time. And you wrote a book. I did. And well, you were, you were yeah. promoting the book. I was but then also, the book. we were also, all we were doing was reading articles That's and right. about how to avoid COVID no. and is this a COVID symptom and yeah. what do I do? And, and then we were all considering homeschooling and talking with, like, yeah. Last year, I can't like tw- we got to all collectively look at 2020 as a wash. Like- I do, and I don't. You know, I have no shame for myself in it. I really don't. But yeah, I. I, I mean, it's it's funny because I said you know how I watched the news for three days straight and it becomes a habit. But it did. It became habitual in 2020 to spend my time scrolling through social media looking for answers to COVID or to politics or you know, something like that. I, I became very short term in my reading. And I I don't like that. I mean, no judgment for anyone, but I am a book reader. I do love books. And, and like, I look back on the year and I didn't really read many books at all. And I have so many books, like physical books that I want to read. And so I followed my friend Laura Tremaine's advice, who you also know. Mm-hmm. Um, who also has a book coming out um, shortly, but she has a a podcast, which is great, called 10 Things to Tell You. And she has a habit where she reads for 20 minutes every single day. She sets a timer, only 20 minutes, and she reads like 50 books a year. Wow, that's... Yeah. And and so... Did she allow herself to go over 20 minutes? Yes, but but she at least... I mean, I think it's like your conversation with your friend. Like, it feels less daunting if you know there's an end time. Mm-hmm. So I have put the whole family on this, which, you know, came with a lot of complaining from my kids. But between dinner and watching a show, which we usually watch a show every evening, we now have 30 minutes of reading. And so I put the fire on, I set a timer, and everyone has to go get a book and just read quietly in the living room. I love that. And you're all sitting in the same room, re- room yes. reading, too. I love it. I mean, it feels very sort of like Little House on the Prairie, and it feels very calming. And then it's forcing me to do it, too, because I want to set a good example. But it, it does. It feels like, I don't know, in those moments, I feel like, oh, this is the mom I want to be. Right. Like, you feel really smug for a minute. You're I like, do. Oh, I my gosh. Good. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we're actualizing the family that I want to be. Now, Mind you, they're totally complaining. I mean, every time I say, like, it's reading time, they're like, my least favorite part of the day. No. Oh, yeah. They totally do. Teens are mean, man. They're they're brutal. But it's my own fault because, you know, that's what I get for being a sarcastic mom. But, um, you know, they do it. And it has become a habit. And they're reading books. They're getting through books. I have two voracious readers and two who are not interested in reading at all. And so, you know, they're at least finally reading some books. And it's really nice. It's just a nice, cozy family time. And I don't care if they hate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe. And maybe they'll learn to love it. I know. I think they actually do. I think at this point, the complaining is almost like to save face, you know? Sure, sure. Or, you know, they have to give you a hard time at least a little bit. Whatever. Do you have, I mean, it's been so long, but do you have any cool two thumbs up you want to tell me about? I actually do. Okay, so my first thumbs up is um, I have talked about 
Well, another one of my resolutions, this is related to my resolution. I really want to be eating more plant-based food. That is a very oh. big one for me. Um, I don't have weight loss goals, but I just need to be eating more things that came out of the ground and not sure. out of a package or out of the freezer. Um, so last year I had talked about I was doing this meal program or a meal delivery service called Territory Foods. Um, and they delivered my lunches. I signed up to just have enough for lunch every day, which was really good for me because I'm horrible at preparing lunch for myself. Well, I decided to try a different company um, called Thistle. And the reason that I chose Thistle is they just have more vegetables, honestly, mm. in every meal. Um, it's more salad based. I really liked Territory Foods. I really did. But um, I like Thistle a lot better. Yeah, I noticed that like... I, I enjoy a salad. Mm -hmm. I do not enjoy any salad I make for myself. No. Salad is always better when someone else makes it. Well, and here's what I really like about Thistle. And don't get me wrong. It is spendy. It is very spendy to have your own lunch delivered to you. You know, they deliver twice a week. But, it, you know, it's it's not cheap. It's to, to me, this is like a gift that I'm giving myself. But what I really like about the Thistle salads is every single salad has like 10 to 15 ingredients. I mean, Ooh. it's got roasted chickpeas. It's got chopped up beets and chopped up broccoli and five kinds of seeds and some kind of a lentil and some kind of a meat and like five kinds of lettuce. So it does feel, I mean, again, it's spendy, but it feels like you see what you're paying for. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like it's spendy, but there's a reason why it's spendy and you get that it's spendy. But yeah, like if like I had bought all those ingredients to make my own salad and then every every day the salad is different. Like there's just no way that I would source that much stuff for myself right. <laughs> in my own home and roast beets and roast butternut squash to you know to have like a handful of them in a salad. Um so I'm really liking it a lot. Um I mean, again, it's it's a splurge, but it is very helpful for me just to know every day at lunch, I have a healthy lunch for myself. Is it based in California or is this like a nationwide thing? Um, I think it's based in California, but I know that they have it in Northern California. Actually, I think that it might they ha I think they have it in big cities all over because I think they have it in Seattle, too. Um, oh, it's California, Nevada. Oh, OK. So there you go. Um. Anyway, if you're in California and you're looking for a healthy meal delivery, I will say I do have a coupon code, speaking of. Um, so if people go to our show notes, selfiepodcast.com, or pop into the Facebook group, I'll give the co coupon code and it'll give you $50 off, which is Ooh, nice, which is like you can get the first week free basically for that. And hopefully they do like a series A or something and get funding so they can go nationwide and I can try it. I know. It. I know. I really love it. Um, my second one is something we talked about also in Selfie, um, in the Selfie Facebook group. Someone was asking how to kind of slough off dead skin. So I have been using, and I mentioned this in the group, but I thought I would talk about it here more. I've been using a glycolic acid peel. And it's a it's 30% glycolic acid. So I want to say right from the get-go, um, this is one that you have to babysit and you have to set a timer. <laughs> like, oh, okay. It will peel your skin off. But I will say this about it. So I had done that vampire facial a while back. Remember that? I did the one yes. where they do the needles all over your face. And basically the point of all peels and facials and retinol and all these things we do to our face is to get that top layer off so that your body produces 
fresh new skin. So there's, I mean, bottom line is that's just, we're all seeking that. But what I like about a glycolic acid peel is it does it, you can do it from home. It feels like it's giving me a, a light version of that facial. Um, if you do it enough, you will get a very mild peel. Um, you don't have to do it that much, but it definitely feels like I'm getting fresh new skin when I do is it. Is it, so it's tingly? So tingly. Like, okay. like you, if you have any kind of a blemish on your face, you want to avoid that. Like it'll Oh, right. It's, it's that, it'll, it'll burn that. It yeah. Will, like it's, it, it's bordering on burning. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you want to be real careful and like work up to it. Like I would say the first time you try it, I have the 30%. So it's pretty strong. So the first few times I did it, I did it for like one minute. Like it's yeah, building it's up a tolerance. Yes, I did that with the uh, drunk elephant baby facial, mm-hmm. which That's is basically a good one too. yeah. So I would do that once a week, and the first time I was like, I don't think that I can handle this. Yes. and now I can I can leave it on for twenty minutes, no problem. I will say so. I love that baby facial, and we'll link up to that one too. Um, but it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. And I do think I get similar results from this glycolic peel, and it, it's on sale right now for twenty nine dollars. What's the brand? Um, Perfect Image. Oh, I'll have to. I'll. I'll. I will click on the link in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Okay, so I have been, you know, unlike a lot of people in the U.S. right now, and I almost feel embarrassed telling telling listeners this, but I have been commuting yeah. to work, and I have been going. Um, via train Which and I love. and the thing is train you know it's i have a car to myself like completely empty for at least five stops um and you know everyone has to wear a mask and there's this ventilation system and i, I feel very safe on it but i am you know on an ele- i'm walking through the streets and then i'm on an elevator and then i go into the office and we all have our own little closed off offices mm-hmm. so you know there's no we all have our own spaces. And I'm always, I'm starting to look at my phone with lots of suspicion. Like anytime I feel like I have a sniffle, like I just assume that my cell phone is grosser than a public toilet or, uh, you know, a public doorknob. So I ended up getting one of those cool like UV sanitizer boxes where you stick your phone in for 30 yes. minutes and it comes out yes. like sparkly fresh. You could lick it. I have one of those also. So I, I am, I, yeah, I feel very good about having, I just, I feel, I feel safer having it, I guess. Wh- mm-hmm. Whether or not, whether or not that's, it's like that effective. It says like 99.9, whatever. So I feel like that's good. So I've been sanitizing it at night for 30 minutes. And I feel I feel very nice about that. So um, and they're not as expensive as you'd think. I mean, there are some that are super fancy, but mine is like a $40 one. So um, I'm pleased with that. And the other thing, I, I am a bad medicine taker in Mm -hmm. that I'm very forgetful or or the worst is I'll grab the bottle. And then I distract myself for a second. And then I'm not sure whether I took it or not. You ever like get in that moment oh, where you go, wait, did I did yes. I take this just now? All the time. Or I get on the train and I go, ah, oh, damn it, I didn't take the thing, totally. and now I'm going to wait till nighttime, and it'll affect my sleep. And why am I like this? So I ended up getting these little pill boxes, which I sound like such an old lady saying this, but pill boxes, and I keep. Oh yeah. 
one in my one in my laptop bag, one mm-hmm. on my desk, and one on my nightstand. And just as a reminder, and I I need, I need to do something else too. Like I'm a I'm a grown woman, and I'm having a hard time uh, keeping track of medicine. So <laughs> that's that's the one thing that I am doing. And can I can I add one more? I'm gonna can I do three two oh, thumbs yeah, up? Yeah, of course. Okay, for those of us who have standing desks, or you know sometimes stand to do work, like whether you're on a phone call and you're not doing much, get the a little wobble board. So mm. it's just because, you know, sitting is supposedly is the new smoking, yeah. but standing and standing is, is good for you, but nothing like motion is much better for you. So yes. this wobble board is super easy. I will stand on it while I'm like doing emails and it's nothing crazy. You don't risk like falling off. It's not one of those crazy. It's not like a, a hoverboard. And you just kind of wobble back and forth, and it's just a nice, nice little movement to keep your, you know, yeah. blood flowing and circulation totally. going. And I assume it's good for your posture too. So I like this. I will link to that one as well because I have been using my my wobble board. So all of mine are kind of work related. I love it. I need to get. I I think I'm ready for a standing desk. Oh, you need to get a standing sit one because, and maybe you're like me in this. When I'm doing my deep writing, I need to be sitting. Yeah, no, I mean, I need an option to to sit also. Um, but like, I've seen the hydraulic ones where you can kind of you can go back and forth. Yes, I, that is that is the one I have. And if you don't get like all like the sexiest wood, um, it's actually really reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. So I I have my little up down and I feel very good about it. I love it. All right, well, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, and then I'm going to be back with BJ to talk about how we process what happened over the last few weeks. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show, and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. 
So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Today's episode of Selfie is sponsored by ShapeAndFoster.com. ShapeAndFoster is a lifestyle development app that provides monthly actionable insight from six different experts in mental health, financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, even a life coach. It is a one-stop shop for self-improvement. The app provides a proactive and informed approach to improving your mental well-being by enabling practices and habits to be built. Many aspects of well-being and decision-making are done retroactively when you're already in need. ShapeAndFoster will take you on a 12-month journey of lifestyle development and provide knowledge and actionable insight with professionals. Shape and Foster is about enhancing your quality of life by improving awareness, identity, and potential. It's one unified community of actionable insight where you can learn from six pillars essential to self-care, from a healthy heart to a healthy mind in one unique app. Visit www.shapeandfoster.com for your free 14-day trial. Okay, well, um, I am here with BJ, and we wanted to just process through what it has been like for us collectively as a nation to sort of watch an attempted coup, um, an insurrection, people storming the halls of our capital that many of us hold sacred, regardless of party. Um, BJ, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I definitely found it a bit traumatizing to watch. It's something that I never thought that I would see here. It's something I've certainly seen in other countries. I actually, I was in Haiti during a political coup when I was 16 years old. It's one of those things that I just took for granted would ever happen here. I I literally, 
I was working. I was talking with clients the day it was happening, but I had some gaps and I would turn on the coverage and I had a little bit of a cognitive dissonance in it because I couldn't wrap my head around it actually being yeah. real. Like, yeah. it began to feel like something, a, a show. I was watching a movie and I don't feel like it really did settle in for me. And it, and it, as you say, you experienced a trauma. I feel like that was my trauma response. I think it was a little bit of a, I, I, it was a freeze. Like, I can't process all this. Um, yeah, I don't think I really even realized how bad it was until much later, even as I watched people breaking out windows mm-hmm. and doing the things they did. It wasn't until I learned about the deaths and the beatings and mm-hmm. the behaviors that were so violent. And then even just yesterday, watching a reporter who followed everyone in mm-hmm. and listening and and listening to the words because he there was no narrative. Yeah, it was just the live coverage. I saw and that one. Were, was it the New York Times um, one? Yeah, we'll link up to and that one. That was really fascinating to watch. Without a doubt, because it I did not know mm-hmm. until that collective video mm-hmm. that some of the things that were said. Yeah, that really did speak to the extremes of mm-hmm. the views of the people in there. I mean, they they were threatening life. They were yes. threatening the coup. I mean, the yeah. seizure of our government. Mm-hmm. But they were also walking around looking to actually take people hostage and harm them. Yeah. I know that wasn't every person there. Mm-hmm. I want to say that really clearly. Yep. But though there were individuals who were caught on video, speaking those words. These mm-hmm. were not intruders. They were not marauders. They were not someone who sneaked in and pretended they were someone they weren't. These were people who've been planning this for a long time and felt encouraged to go and make these attempts. And that was the part that I, I feel like I was still shocked, more shocked yesterday watching that than I had been through the full coverage of it and mm-hmm. just picking up the bits and pieces here and there of, of the things that had happened. One of the things that really struck me and bothered me was the images of our lawmakers. Oh, goodness, <sighs> yes. Hiding. Oh, God, yes. And. Mm. And it actually makes me cry to to talk about it because I've been in a, you know, I've mm-hmm. I've been in a trauma, you know, very different details are different, but I've been in a situation where I thought I might die right now. Yeah. Um, and just to watch them, pr- like there was footage of a woman praying, um, and and the, you know they're hiding and they're fearing for their life, and you know I just think. A trauma on our lawmakers is a trauma on the whole country, you know? Absolutely. That all of them, regardless of how, as you said, there were certainly people who entered the Capitol just because they thought that it was funny or they were going to, you know, steal a podium. But there were people whose intentions were to kidnap, to kill, you know, to, to siege and destroy. And... You know, just to think of our lawmakers hiding out in the gallery and then hiding out in their offices, um, you know, just it really strikes me as just so traumatic and terrible. And and, you know, just to think that after that happened, they all came back and and continued. 
the specific people that were in that room mm-hmm. represent us. That's right. When you say that's right, that was an attack on on our lawmakers. That was an attack on us, every citizen, because these are the people who walk into that room and represent the votes that we cast. That election can't be finalized until those people sit in that room that day after every election and cumulatively take our votes to a a final vote and make the determination of the election. No one represents us more profoundly Mm -hmm. in, in democracy than they do on that day. And for them to be hiding and fearing for their lives, it is an attack on every one of us. Absolutely. Yeah. The many people who um, related that to our children hiding in hallways. Right. Right. And, and may this be the thing that wakes us up to that. No kidding. Having our lawmakers experience that. No kidding. Maybe that will bring us to a new way of, of managing the tragedies that we've had in our schools. I know. I know. Because it very much was, I mean, that struck me so much too. This is a real intruder drill. This is, this is the intruder drills that my kids are doing. They're experiencing it right now in real life. In real time. We, we talked about this um, a bit ago before we started recording, but just trying to understand the psychology of the people who stormed the Capitol and trying to look at all of it in context and understand what, you know, because I think, you know, I understand that these were extremists and and these were bad actors, but I do think that there is something to learn from the psychology of what sent so many people to the Capitol and what sent so many people, um, you know, in to try to, to breach um, I think there is something to be learned there and trying to understand the psychology. And it's like, there's so much going on. I mean, first of all, we're all in a pandemic and everyone's on edge, regardless yeah. of yeah. how you feel about the pandemic or how real it is. It's affected everyone. everyone. So everyone's on edge. And then we have the fact that these people have been told by people they trust by lawmakers, Mm -hmm. by their own president, Mm -hmm. they've been told repeatedly that the election was stolen, that they have been robbed, that things are unfair, that their country's about to be stolen from them. Um, And so I think it stoked a lot of fear, a lot of fear for people, not just the people that stormed the Capitol. No. No, and and my response to you when you said that earlier was, I don't think I understand the psychology behind it, and I honestly <laughs> don't know that we really have all the answers to that. But I do know that the combination of misinformation, of blatant um, false information, not just from, and I'm not even pointing a finger at government as much as just m- media and internet and or fact factions and organizations um, that have all kinds of beliefs and theories around this election and around this presidency and around everything. You combine all that. It's so much of it stokes fear. And like you said, this pandemic can't be removed from the equation. Yeah. Everyone's heightened. 
everyone's living in a hyper-aroused state. We're all functioning from this deficit where our emotional bandwidth has been narrowed. We wake up every day in a, in a, in a deficit of emotional resilience and strength. A hundred percent. Because we're getting tired yeah. on top of it all. We're reaching a point of satiation and, and exhaustion in it. And, and the political climate has contributed to that as well. And so we, it culminated in last Wednesday's actions with this group of people. And I think they represent the very, the most fearful of them all. Um, when you talk about the hypervigilant brain is if there is a way to explain the psychology of what happens neurologically, even for us, um, and emotionally around this kind of behavior, it creates a trauma response from the amygdala. And it's that part of the brain that's looking for threat. It's not, it's not designed to address the threat. Mm-hmm. Just to mm-hmm. warn you that it, it exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it will keep warning you and warning you and warning you until you buy in and identify and respond to the threat. And that constant barrage of information that stokes fear in people until it works you personally into a frenzy inside your own mind where you can, no matter what information comes in front of you, it feels like, I always say that that part of the brain looks for circumstantial evidence. It doesn't care if it's true or not. It's so true. And it can make anything look like it's why you should be afraid. Mm -hmm. And nothing has been proven to be more true than this whole dynamic of the fear that's been stoked around this election. And you take one person and their mind is already in a frenzy, just mm-hmm. convinced that they've had this robbed from them. And you put them in a, in a room or in a, a street with hundreds of others who are all worked up into the same frenzy. And then you've got this hive yeah. mind and it, it went off the rails. And certainly those bad actors came in with plans, mm-hmm. but the others went in with them believing they were doing something righteous and good. Yeah. They were being patriots. They were noble. Yes. And completely blind to the possibility that the threat might not be exactly what they believed it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And one other thing that really stood out for me was the whole hanging of pence. And, and I, I, I keep, I want to hear from, and maybe this will be the discussion that I'm inviting you into the discussion in the community group because I want to hear from those people who feel like they've needed to be silent in this because they support Trump or they support the Republican Party. They voted um, in that direction and, but they don't buy into everything that was represented in the insurgents, Mm -hmm. maybe none of it, or maybe part of it, or maybe all of it. But recognizing that there was, there were people there that don't support a belief of the sanctity of life, of the sanctity of government, of our, our democracy, or whatever. What is it like to, to feel like 
you were on the same page with everybody until that day happened. Well, here's what's interesting. And I, I mentioned this when I was talking with Rue. I can relate to that because I felt that during the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer, you know, mm. I, I felt that I was 100% on the same page with the movement. And then all of a sudden, we see people looting and rioting. Yeah, in the name of Black Lives Matter. And I still I still consider myself a part of that movement. I still identify with it. But I did watch bad actors sort of ruin the perception for a lot of people. And that became the takeaway. That's what Black Lives Matter is, even though I don't think it is. And so I can, you know, I can have some compassion and empathy and understanding for Republicans right now who feel like, wow, we just got really hijacked. And that was embarrassing. And that was terrifying and horrifying. Um, And I do think it's really important for people to speak up. I know it's really embarrassing, but I think it's important for people to say, this wasn't right. You know, people from that side, if we become polarized, and we're not able to say violence is wrong, because it was happening from our side, that's a real problem. You know, another piece of the psychology of this speaks to that, in that you used a quote in your book, We Are Multitudes. And I love that quote because it talks about the fact this there's this belief that we have that we can only feel one thing at a time, that if I'm sad, I can't be happy. And I always use the argument, have you ever been to a funeral? No matter how tragic the loss was, have you ever been to a funeral where you didn't eventually laugh? Because someone got up and told it's a funny so story about that person. Uh-huh. And in that moment, you're no less sad. And yet you can right. be in the joy of having known them. And we can feel multitudes of emotions and feelings and sometimes things that feel like they're very counter to each other all at the same time. And I, I, I just want people to feel safe to be able to say, I don't agree with what happened, but that doesn't mean I, I have changed my mind about anything. I still hold true mm-hmm. to all the things I hold true to, but I can't support that. I think there are people that are afraid to say that because it feels like a betrayal of some sort. When in reality, I, I feel like the behavior of those bad actors was a betrayal of you if you voted yeah. that way. And this is not something you could support. Yeah. And, I just want there to be a safe place to be able to come out and say that out loud and not feel like you're going to be attacked for being on that side. Um, because I, I do feel like this was not a representation of the majority of the Rep- Republican Party. I hope it wasn't. And if it was, then that is something that party's going to have to deal with in the future. And that yeah. is because it, it's been a destruction. I mean, we've watched racism that we've always known existed exactly as it does. But it's always existed in the shadows in ways that it no longer does. Mm-hmm. And that has been stoked by the same thing that stoked the fear of these so-called patriots who mm-hmm. stormed our capital. Mm-hmm. And we know that is real. We know that has, has run through and it is, that's what feels like hijacked. Yeah. The Republican party for me in the last four years. And I think it's that. And then I think it is, 
and this is personal opinion, but I think the move away from facts, the yeah. move away from and, and the mistrust of the media, which I understand, you know, I, yeah. I get it. But when yeah. you can't trust any media, yeah. then you start getting your facts from message boards or from, you know, social yeah. media. Um, and when you've moved so far away from from trusting any source, um, or even like trusting the court system, right? Like yes. that we have a court system. And so yeah. for me, it's like, if my guy didn't win, and it went through 50 court cases, and mm-hmm. it didn't win in any of the court cases, I might not trust what the media is saying. But then maybe if the media is also corroborating with the courts, then maybe I need to go, okay, I need to look for facts. And I think as a nation, and this is not even a, par- a, a partisan thing, we've really moved away from facts. Yes. And on both sides, on both sides, clearly. Yes. And, and what that does is it makes us intellectually vulnerable. Yeah. And I think we saw what intellectual and emotional vulnerability, I think it was both. I think it was yeah. emotional vulnerability from the pandemic, from a from constant fears being stoked that people are losing something. But then I think there was intellectual vulnerability of people not knowing how to ferret out information and trusting carte blanche what is being fed to them, even if there are facts that would indicate otherwise. Yeah. And it's really problematic. And like you said, it is both sides. Um, This was a manifestation of of one side. But, um, you know, just figuring out how we get back to um, finding out what's real and what's true. And what's real and what's true is that Joe Biden did win the election. And then there were plentiful, um, you know, markers from that point from Secretary of State's recertifying that who are actually Mm -hmm. Republicans themselves to it going through courts of law, you know, over and over and over again, we're seeing that there was no evidence of fraud. And then at that point, we have to look at facts, regardless of how we feel about them. That's it. That's it. And we've moved away from being able to do that. Yeah. And I think that's the part that I want, I really want to come to understand. And I don't feel like I understand why. I don't, I don't think I understand how we got so far away Mm -hmm. from truth. I really don't. And how we got so far into a belief that you just can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Cause that feeds into that. When you said that, that's that hypervigilance. Yes. It, where every single, there's not an argument you can bring that doesn't feel like, nope, see, that's, that proves my point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's baffling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I think if there are people that are listening right now who have who have felt that hypervigilance and lack of trust and fear, regardless of where it's coming from or what the subject is, um, you know, I just think that that's something we really need to unpack. And I'll even speak for myself. You know, I I have felt that hypervigilance and lack of trust around COVID, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that I'm scared. And I don't, you know, am I getting real information? Is my county being forthright about the numbers? Are the families at my kids school reporting cases, you know, and and I have gotten into that kind of space of like, I don't know who I can trust, or if I can trust anybody. 
Yeah. And then we have to do the inside work of like, I, I yep. feel fearful, but how am I going to filter this? How am I going to run it through my life? What work do I need to do to pull myself off the ledge? Yes. Yes. You know? exactly. Um, and I do think that, you know, people who have been Trump supporters or still are Trump supporters need to do some of that work of yeah. like, how how much have I given myself over to this rhetoric of fear that, you know, and how much of it is true and how much of it is me becoming hypervigilant. Yeah. But it's, it's hard. It's a hard place to be. And I, and I have, I, I'm incredibly frustrated, but I also have compassion and empathy for, again, people who I think have been um, riled up. Yeah by their leaders um, to, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that protest was called Stop the Steal. The whole premise right. was yes. that something was stolen, and that's dishonest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How do we, <laughs> loaded question, how do we heal how, how do we heal from this going forward? Because I think we can all acknowledge, and every side seems to acknowledge we're so polarized. What does, and there's calls for unity. And then I've also seen people really push back on that saying, we cannot unify prematurely. Yeah. So what is, what does, I guess we need to reconcile first? What does reconciliation look like? And then what does unity look like? You know, throughout all of this, I've I've watched people pull away from family members, um, separate in ways that they've never been able to before. This was the line in the sand for them. And I just keep thinking, what happens when this is over and we're no longer in this kind of erupted state? And even after the pandemic, how do we come back together, if at all? Um, have we taken this deficit that we're living in and made decisions that are not sustainable? Yeah. Um, that we may regret in the end. Um, my dearest friend and I are on opposite sides politically. And very early on, when that became clear, um, we agreed not to talk about politics, but then there came a moment when she just had questions and she wanted to talk about it. And we did. But where I drew the line was she has been my best friend since our senior year in high school. We have lived 1,600 miles apart for 37 years of our friendship, and she's still my ride or die. She knows all my secrets. I know all of hers, and I need her and want her by my side for as long as I'm on this planet. Yeah. And I'm not going to let a politician change that. And I made that really clear. And if that meant we had to had to either not talk about this or be able to eventually come and talk about it. And that's what we agreed to is that hopefully someday we can sit in the same room because we're not going to do it over the phone or by text message 37 or uh, 1600 miles apart. Yeah. But at some point in time, I believe we will sit across from each other 
And we will talk about, I think one of the things she said was, I just don't, I can't figure out how we got so far apart. And the truth is, I've thought about that so many times, and I haven't moved. Hmm. I My politics are formed by who I am. My politics are formed by my compassion and my care for humanity above all else. And I choose the way I vote based on that. And I've been doing that for as long as she's known me. And that has never changed. My my party changed. Right. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. But she, but she didn't have a problem with that until this last four years. And the polarity of our parties became so wide. And I look forward to the day that we can sit and talk about it. And I know we can. We have the ability to have really, really hard conversations. And in fact, the hardest conversations I've had in my lifetime have probably been with her or processed with her. And I know we'll be able to do that. And I know our friendship and my friendship with her children um, will not just survive this, but will thrive through it and will grow and learn from each other in it. And I... I kind of look forward to it because there's so much about many Trump supporters that I don't understand. I It feels really disconnected in some ways for me that I have a hard time making sense of. And I think she'll be able to help me make sense of it. I don't think we've been able to do it in the midst of a pandemic. I don't think we were able to do it in the midst of the polarity of it while while he was in office. And I hope that we can someday in the future be able to sit and have that. And I think it's crucial that we allow space for the possibility that there is healing on the other side of this. And it really does start with these one-on-one relationships. At the end of the day, some of these relationships ended because they needed to. And this was the thing that gave people the courage to finally walk away from a toxic relationship. And I know that that has happened in some in a vast amount. Um, and then there will be some that will be rethought. And yeah. but maybe they'll be re-entered into differently with different boundaries and different understandings of one another. Um, we That's the healing we need. We need to be able to look past this without abandoning ourselves and abandoning our beliefs and come to a place where we can stand in the same room with people who think very differently than we do and still find love and compassion for each other because that's how we're designed. Yeah. You know, one of the things, one of the things that strikes me as you're talking about that ability to stand in the room is I do think that Trump, and I'm not even saying it's because of his party, but his, unique personhood, who he is yes. as a person, regardless of yeah. his party or his beliefs. Yeah. He is not a person who is able to stand with the opposition. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's so immature. He is refusing to take part in. I mean, people have been sharing photos all week of the Obamas welcoming Trump or the Clintons welcoming, you, you know, we've always had a level of decorum, a level of um, unity. And Trump has not been in that role this entire time, right up until yeah. the end, right up until the end. Yep. And I think 
unfortunately, what is modeled for us is sometimes where we land. And I think he's modeled just so much polarity, so much pettiness, um, just a real lack of ability to, you know, to unify. And I, I hope that Biden will be different. And I hope that every president who comes after him will be different. And I hope that all of us, regardless of party, can see what happened and can resolve that we will not vote for leaders who cannot unify. You know, I, I just think that this is a very difficult lesson for all of us about what we can and cannot tolerate in leaders because it trickles down. That's it right there. I think the thing that what Trump represented above all other things was we always had a majority moderate. Yes. And the parties were what they were, but you if you were somewhere in the middle of anything, you could still find a place to vote. And somehow we got to this place where there's a right and a left and nothing in between. There's no space for the moderate anymore. And most yeah. of us are somewhere yeah. Yeah. in the middles of the spectrum rather than the ends. And this pushed so many people on both sides to the ends of the spectrum. And that creates division because we live life on a spectrum. Yeah. In and every way, life yes. a spectrum. And full of nuance. <laughs> And full of nuance. Yeah. And the nuance is gone in our political party. And mm-hmm. I, I I think a two-party system, we've been moving towards this for a long time. And I think we've been naive to believe that we could never get here. Yeah. Because we should have always had an ability to have something in the middle mm-hmm. for the moderate. And if we can't have that, we've got to at least get back to the place where – you, if you end up with a president that's of a different party than you typically vote for, it doesn't feel like you're living in a foreign land. Yes, I agree. And I, and it never felt that way before. No, Mm-mm. I agree. At least not to me. So I agree. All right. Well, on that note, we do want to remind you guys, we love chatting with you guys in the selfie Facebook community. We want to reiterate that we want it to be a safe space, um, a place where people from any political persuasion can come and talk. Um, We do take a pretty strong stance against, um, you know, broad strokes and insults. Um, Yeah. But we do want it a place to be a place where you can come and process. So we would love to continue the conversation with you guys there. Thanks, Kristen. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care.